Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a weekly program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. This program is brought to you by Hope Fellowship, your community church, and Growing in Grace Ministries Canada. I'm Pastor Michael Zenker, and for the next half hour, I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will help expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. So many are tired of trying harder to live the Christian life. I've got great news for you. You can stop trying. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to still be growing in grace. Welcome back to Still Growing in Grace. I'm glad you took time again to listen to this awesome program because we're all still growing in grace. None of us have arrived. This particular series that I'm going through, I believe, is one of the most important topics every human has to deal with at some point in their lives. And if you don't deal with it properly or have a faulty understanding of what this topic is, you're going to have a difficult time walking through it. It it is is the topic of forgiveness. We have so many hurts in our lives that need to be healed. And so this series is called Healing Life's Hurts Through Understanding Forgiveness. We began with uh, topics of uh, definitions of what forgiveness is. Uh, We've dealt with uh, um, some misconceptions about it. And today we're dealing with uh, the last big issue of what forgiveness is not. And it sounds funny to say what forgiveness is not, but unfortunately, I believe that we have been given some faulty perspectives on what forgiveness is or what it should look like. And I've been kind of walking through or dispelling some of the myths over the last couple of weeks. Uh, today is uh, the part three of what forgiveness is not, because if there are, are things that are going to hinder us from truly forgiving others, or if we have misunderstandings of what we think forgiveness is, it implies one thing when it really has nothing to do with that thing, then it may prevent us from actually walking through the important step of forgiveness. And today's one is really big. This is probably, I think, the biggest topic or the biggest um, reason why people don't forgive is because of what number 18 is. I've gone through 17 things of what forgiveness isn't. Examples like forgiveness is not easy or forgiveness is not the same thing as forgetting. We've been told if you still remember, then you haven't forgiven. And those are things that are just not true. Um, And so today... Please listen carefully. I don't think we're going to finish today's program. It's going to take, I think, two weeks. So listen uh, for today's message as well as next week. We're going to continue this one because this particular one is so big. And might as well, let's get, let's get to it. What is it? Forgiveness. The last one of what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not the same thing as restoration. <laughs> forgiveness is is not the same thing as restoration. And here's what I mean. It is the false idea that once you have forgiven, you are automatically called to restore the person. I think this is the biggest problem in the church world. It's the biggest problem in uh, relational uh, issues when we have somebody who has really hurt us badly, and yet we have this club hanging over our head saying we must forgive or else uh, God won't forgive us, and we dealt with that one already, and that's a, that's a big one. 
Um, but again, let's let's dig into this. What what do I mean by this? Forgiveness does not mean you are required to trust them again. Forgiveness does not mean that you must trust people who have broken your trust. You can have protective boundaries with abusive people, even after you forgive them, and can even seek justice through the law. Also, it can take time for trust to be rebuilt after it has been broken. Some people have been so heartbroken, so violated, that to imply that once you forgive, you have to immediately begin trusting, because if you don't, then you really haven't forgiven. This is a brutal, brutal, false weight to put on to people. In my own story that I've shared with you here on the show, uh, having brutal abuse from, from my mom and from a, a priest who sexually abused me for three years as a teen, um, trust does not come quickly. The process of healing takes a long time. So please, let's stop today implying that you can't forgive or you've not truly forgiven if you've not restored. It's going to take two parties to fully experience restoration. An injured person can forgive an offender without reconciliation. Yes, I just said that. You can forgive without having to walk through what's called reconciliation. The, you may think, wait a minute, this goes against every grain that I've been taught in the church world. Yes, and it should go against that grain because that grain is a false grain. We cannot put this heavy on people and imply that restoration uh, equals forgiveness. Because here's what's, well, we'll talk about what it's going to mean in just a moment. But um, if reconciliation does happen, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful hope and a goal. But it should never be expected or forced by anyone. So this concept of, if I forgive, then I am automatically required to restore. That is unbiblical. Uh, it is uh, unhuman. It is not fair. Uh, it's some pie in the sky idea that churchianity has come up with. Forgiveness doesn't mean re-entry. You can forgive someone and be at peace with the situation without bringing them back into your life. Somebody's going to say, well, then you really haven't forgiven them because you harbor bitterness. Well, no, you're assuming much there. The bitterness could maybe be there, but that doesn't mean I haven't forgiven. I can forgive someone, still be bitter, because the Holy Spirit is working through that journey of releasing in me. But the act of forgiveness that I have done between my Heavenly Father and I has been done. And next, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what uh, forgiveness really is and how to forgive. That's going to be even more freeing for many of us. Remember, forgiveness is an, in, an internal, personal issue, whereas restoration is an external, relational issue. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is an internal, personal issue, whereas restoration is an external, relational issue. Forgiveness is part of the restoration process, but it is not restoration. Restoration involves repentance, which many times leads to restitution. This is so loaded. This is so heavy. 
That's why I think many people are refusing to forgive, because they have this false sense or this false guilt that it will have to mean that person can have entry into your life to continue abusing you, continue hurting you, and you just give them the free Scott off trip and they have have no consequences. That is not what it means. Forgiveness. I can forgive and still hold people back and say, no, 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 no. You're not allowed back in my life until we restore things, which will require you to have to admit some things. Otherwise, uh uh-uh, not happening. I'm going to protect those around me because you're hurting them. Ephesians 4.32 says, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We do have the power to forgive. You can forgive somebody and, and not worry about the immediate next step, which seems to imply you have to restore them. If you can get rid of that mindset, I think you're going to find freedom that, hey, wait, I can forgive. I am able to forgive. I don't have to worry about the next steps. I'm going to first deal with forgiveness inside my heart between me and my Heavenly Father. Here's what's going to happen. If we have a blanket restoration belief, two things are going to happen. Listen carefully. First of all, uh, they force themselves to do it. So if you um, believe that you must forgive and it immediately implies restoration, you're going to force yourself to go and do the word, I forgive you. But inside is still a tremendous sense of violation because there has never been repentance or acknowledgement of wrong and no attempt at restitution so, so when we have that blanket restoration mindset and, and, and merge it or fuse it with, together with forgiveness, there's going to be a forcing that happens. Listen, this has to come from the heart by a choice, not force. Or this, the, the worst part's going to happen is there's going to be a flat out, no, I am not going to do it. I am not going to forgive because I, uh, you've told me I have to, but now I struggle with guilt. And now, now that I'm struggling with this guilt that I haven't forgiven, I have this turmoil inside me. So I'm not willing to do the restoration, therefore I won't forgive. Well, if restoration is not the same thing as forgiveness, now we can separate those two things and compartmentalize them and see that forgiveness is a separate issue. And it is possible outside of restoration. Restoration is another process. And we're going to try and cover as much of that today as we can. Here's some foundational scriptures to help you better understand what I'm talking here about reconciliation and restoration. In 1 John 2, verse 2, it says, He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sin of sins of all the world. That is what Jesus has done. Let me take it further into Ephesians 1, 3 to 8 from the New American Standard Bible. This is a big one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place in Christ. This is, okay, we'll stop there for just a second. We have been blessed. So if you're thinking that you are not going to get God's blessings because you're not forgiving, or you're not going to get God's blessings because you're not restoring someone, that is a false concept. You have already been blessed. God's not withholding blessings from you. The beauty of forgiveness, when we forgive someone, forgiveness and restoration, two different things here. When we forgive, there's a blessing that comes with it. 
uh, of freedom and, and, and internal peace. When we restore somebody, there's a, a relational joy that comes from that, but that's not implied or required because sometimes it just isn't possible. But it continues on in Ephesians 1. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished, past tense, on us in all wisdom and insight. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. Now, here's the big one. John 3, 16 to 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. This is a powerful picture. The judging that happens here is the judging that you haven't been belie- you haven't believed. That's where this is all about. Jesus has come to take away the sins of the world. He came to forgive. In order for man or woman to experience forgiveness, they must repent, which means see themselves as God sees them. Repent does not mean confess. Repent means to change your mind, change your thinking 180 degrees. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and you are, by the way. He is a new creature, and you are a new creature, by the way. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. When we come back uh, to the second half of the program, we're going to continue in 2 Corinthians. I'll probably start it again. But there's more good news here on what has already happened to us that we have already been reconciled. And we have hope that we can do that for others and forgive others. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Mark Wilson's Better Used Cars in Guelph is not your typical used car lot. Customers who shop there get the insider treatment, especially when buying from the insider man, Rod Sider. Rod will help you select a late model car, truck, van, or SUV from their large selection of vehicles, and he'll work with your budget. Call the insider man at 519-836-2900, extension 287, or visit Mark Wilson's Better Used Cars at the corner of Whitelaw Road and Highway 24, Guelph, and ask for the the insider man. Martin Small Engines and Auto Clinic in Elmira is more than small engines. Like their name says, Martin's is also a full-service auto clinic focused on automotive repair and service, brakes, tires, local lockout service, and so much more. Whatever you need, Martin's can do it. For that small-town feel with large shop quality, trust a team that really cares. Martin's Small Engines and Auto Clinic, Industrial Drive Elmira and martinselmira.com. Welcome back to the second half of Still Growing in Grace. We're continuing on what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not the same thing as restoration. And we're currently looking at 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Um, we're going to go right down to uh, verse 19 because this is this is the big one. Um, uh, 18, 19. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ 
reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We have been reconciled with God. That's all done. Now, let's see what another translation says. The New Living Translation takes this last verse and says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Or in the Young's literal translation, it says, And having put in us the word of reconciliation. What does reconciliation even mean? The word reconciliation comes from the Latin reconciliantio, uh, or, or it means a reestablishing, reinstatement, restoration, renewal, reconciling, reconciliation. <laughs> to reconcile means to recreate friendly relationships, to make things compatible or consistent. To make the net difference in credits and debts of a financial account agree with the balance. Or the word conciliation, the, the second half of it, the reconciliation, the, the word conciliation means the action of bringing peace and harmony, the action of ending strife. Folks, we have been reconciled. And there was a great relationship uh before the fall of mankind, so to speak, where Adam uh, was walking in union and joy, Adam and Eve were walking in joy with God, and their relationship became unfriendly. Uh, in Adam's mind, he thought God was mad at him, but God wasn't mad at him, but that's what he believed. And Adam, in his own mind, was darkened to the reality of how much God loved him. And so now God has reconciled us. He has recreated that friendly relationship. We now have access to a good God. And because God did it first for us, we now have a model before us that it is possible in our lives to do that with others. Now, don't make that a blanket statement that it immediately has to happen quickly for the most painful situations in your life. That's not what we're talking about. It's not until we see ourselves as reconciled, then we have hope for maybe a future in this. We need to settle it in our hearts. We forgive from the heart. That is what's critical. The whole point here is that we forgive because we have been reconciled. But do we restore people without repentance? No way. Uh-uh, not happening. Here's an example. If somebody hurts me real bad, which they have, uh, do I simply restore them because I've forgiven them? Not a chance. I forgive them from my heart, uh, but I'm also called now to put away the anger. And this could take a long time. So this whole vending machine idea of automatic, this ought to happen so quickly, is a false concept because it takes away the humanity in the process. Things take time. <laughs> Listen, I need to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in my life. And at some point, I'm going to have to be able to love them. Love is the issue, not restoration. So when I forgive, it's so that I am able to head towards loving them once again, not necessarily restoring them. Don't put those two so closely together. They're not magnetically connected. Uh, and that can be a problem because we always associate that. Well, then when we love them, what does, what does love do for them, for that person? Well, love does what is best for them. Love 
does what is right for them. What do you mean? Well, love will lead me to confront them. But how? How do I confront? Wait a minute. I don't like confrontation. Oh, I can't confront. Now I won't forgive. Because if, if that leads to a confrontation, I'm a person who's quiet. I'm more about peace and nonviolence. No, 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 no. I, I cannot confront. Well, no, hang on. We have a misunderstanding of confrontation as well then. First of all, how do we confront? It has to be in love. And it begins first with forgiveness. We forgive first. Then the Holy Spirit does the work of healing. Then we grow to have an authentic love towards that person eventually. And that process is not up to you. It's up to the Holy Spirit. Don't rush it. But if we don't first forgive these people, then we will confront out of anger. And then I'll be after vengeance and payback. Do you understand what it means to rush into this reconciliation thing? I believe we have much to learn about this, and I'm speeding through this quickly. You may have to go back online and re-listen to this because there's so much content here. And on a radio show or a podcast or in a short clip like this, uh, there's so much trying to be covered. You can't absorb it all at once. But please go back and slowly re-listen. Go to growingingrace.ca and uh, re-listen and re-watch these, these videos or these audio podcasts. So here's what happens when we confront. This is a big one. We don't like to talk about confrontation, but we must grow up and realize if Christ is leading us to do this, he'll guide each step. He'll give peace. But when we confront, we look for two things. First of all, confession and conduct. These are the two things. We look for confession and conduct change. When we look for confession, we're not, we're not looking for the other person to say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry is not a confession. I'm sorry is simply an emotion centered on the offender. Not you. Confession in the Greek really means to agree with. When we confess our sins, it's not begging for forgiveness. It's agreeing with God. Say, God, I agree that what I just did was inconsistent with who I am with you. So this person, when they confront, when you confront and they're not going to confess, if they're going to truly confess, they're going to have to admit, I did something wrong to you. I hurt you. You are looking for the words, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Then they can say, I'm sorry. That's fine. But if just the words, I am sorry, are shared, that is not a confession. Don't mix these up. And then here's the other danger that happens, especially for people who hate confrontation or are are skittish about this and have not learned how to um, properly and maturely deal with conflict. After confession, don't immediately say, oh, it's okay. Wasn't a big deal. You can't do that. You just negated the offense. Instead, say something like this. I forgive you. I release you. It means you are agreeing and own the pain and are actively and intentionally letting them go. All right? Let's let's show a comparison here. In uh, 1 Samuel 15, Saul told was told to kill everything but spared the king and spoils. So he didn't listen to the instructions that were given to him uh, in a battle. In verse 13, Samuel confronts Saul. Partial, There was partial obedience, and, and Saul kept giving excuses and blaming others, blah, blah, blah. You'll, you have to go and read the story yourself. But not everyone who says, I'm sorry, is sorry. Saul was only trying to save his own face. 
Authentic forgiveness and repentance looks like this. When Bathsheba, uh, the story happened with Bathsheba and David was confronted, he straight up admitted it. I have sinned. No excuses. Now that is a confession. Don't mix these up. After confession happens, this is critical. Again, restoration does not happen. Forgiveness has happened, but restoration does not happen until two things have happened. First of all, the confession and then conduct. We look for a conduct change. In Ezra 10 verse 11, it says they found the law, read it, and now here's what happens. So now confess verbally your sin to the Lord, the God of your ancestors, and do action what he demands. Verse 12 says, when the whole assembly raised their voices and answered, yes, you're right, we must do as you say. The person needs to set it right and correct the wrong. If the person confesses and then asks, what can I do to make it right, but then refuses to make it right, they are not told they are forgiven horizontally until they make it right. You hold them accountable. Don't be so quick to play the nice Christian-y thing and say, I forgive you, and, and, uh, and, say, and then even say the words, I restore you. They need to understand that this is, this is a big deal. You may have forgiven them from your heart before God, but you don't communicate it. Otherwise, the offender stops the necessary process for their part. Does it sound like I'm trying to say hold back forgiveness? It sounds like it, but it's not. Listen carefully. You can forgive between you and your Heavenly Father, but don't tell the other person yet. Hold that back because they will misunderstand and mishear things and think they don't have to do anything. Listen, restoration comes uh, after um, a repentance has been uh, uh, walked out. It can happen after the person has shown their part and done their due diligence. So, again, very, very big, big topic. Uh, I just gave you an awful lot really quick. Um, please join me next week. Uh, we're going to come back to this and finish up uh, this idea of what forgiveness is not. And uh, again, we've looked at uh, 18 things. And this last one, forgiveness is not the same thing as restoration. But the process of restoration must be understood better than what we have been told. I hope you'll take time to, to come back next week, uh, go back online and watch. But until then, we'll see you next week. Looking for adventure in the great outdoors? It's not far from your own backyard at Conestoga River Horseback Adventures. Fun for the whole family or why not your next corporate party? Trail rides are offered all year round and other options like pony rides and birthday parties for the young cowboys and cowgirls. Afterwards, you can relax and keep the party going in their large, comfortable lounge. Conestoga River Horseback Adventures, 519-888-6503 and horsebackadventures.ca. Are you looking for an encouraging church where you'll discover hope in God who truly loves and accepts you? Hope Fellowship in North Waterloo meets every Sunday at 1030 and the great coffee is only the first thing you'll appreciate. If you're looking for a safe place, a relaxed community of people who want to grow in the freedom of God's grace, welcome to Hope Fellowship, second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. Learn more at hopefellowshipycc.com and they do have that great coffee. You've been listening to Still Growing in Grace, 
I'm Pastor Mike Zenker. Join me next Tuesday at 11.30 a.m. You can also watch these messages on YouTube or download our podcast at growingingrace.ca. Do you live locally? Visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning into Still Growing in Grace.